All right, everyone. Welcome to Tuesday. Seems to be a warm Tuesday in a lot of parts of the world, especially here in the northeast of the U.S., which is relatively cold. I think I saw like 70 degrees in the forecast this week and just like couldn't believe it. Um, welcome, Ken. How are you, buddy? That's like uh, 100 degrees for us right now, right? I think, yeah. I think 50 degrees feels like it's uh it's it's warm and balmy outside i saw people in shorts today t-shirts and i was actually feeling it myself it's pretty uh pretty nice out there 100 100 percent. so you know just trying to get a little bit of out of the cave and out of the hats and gloves and a little bit of vitamin d would be good so i'm, I'm looking forward to a little bit of uh putting the windows down while i'm driving down the road you know what i mean I, I definitely hear you. I would, I love to get out. I took a quick ride to Boston and it was nice while I did that, but now I'm back in the, uh, the little ice box that is the basement. <laughs> right on. Do you like this, uh, uh, the background here? So how's that? Yeah. To Tony, 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 Tony on the, the game of Thrones throne. Thought that was he, pretty. He was the best for sure. <laughs> All right. A little bit of housekeeping. So we have, Again, Channel Strong Tour and Lunch and Learns happening over the uh, next week, week after. So if you're in Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, come on out. So we have Lunch and Learns and our Channel Strong evening kind of activities each day. You can register for those on mspinitiative.com slash just click on Channel Strong. You can see the Lunch and Learns are also there under a separate tab. And lastly, our monthly giveaway uh, where we have multiple vendors popping in and and once a day everybody's eligible so you have nothing to lose just throw your name in that and you may get some good stuff not everybody's eligible you made it clear that i can't win well if you work for a vendor that's participating or a vendor <laughs> in general, that would disqualify you for sure Dang uh, it. but Dang if you're an mc or an it services company or cloud provider that isn't a vendor that that would qualify you some cool stuff that people are giving away these guys down here all these vendors that are are helping us out just kind of throwing some some good stuff in the mix so anyway 12 days this week 12 or this month 12 prizes can't go wrong <laughs> this week there's 12 days in a week god forbid there isn't there isn't our weeks yeah well that's true uh so anyway yep check out the channel strong tour lunch and learns giveaways all online easy sign up no cost to you would love to see you come out and uh, have a beer, hang out. Yeah, a probably. beer, a beer, a Coke Zero, whatever, whatever you're in, whatever you're in. Well, just not Coke Zero Cherry. Just not Coke Zero Cherry. But that's not me. That's I'm not thinking about just me. I'm just saying. All right, all right. I'm pretty sure you know I probably will have a beer, but just one. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, okay. we'll see. Um, <laughs> so. Couple topics. I, I've narrowed our topics this time, although we kind of did machine gun last time. Through a That's couple. all right. Yeah, no, it's okay. What we do. It's all good. So this one I thought was interesting. Did you know your browser extensions are looking at your bank account? Yep. Well, that's uh, that's not great. Yeah. No. So, better double check those browser extensions, people. I don't want people. Yeah. I checked them quite frequently just because I feel like you don't know what you don't know. Like we've talked about in the past, just, and I've seen that duck, duck go. Yeah. Thing slide in there. And I'm like, Hmm, I don't, uh, I don't remember putting that thing in there. Yeah. Yeah. 
I uh, a little worried about that. I don't want any. You better double check your browser extensions and their permissions, because kind of like your cell phone, right? You know, everybody who's been doing uh, what's the latest rage now, uh, uh, Clubhouse, and then they're recording all your conversations. No, thank you. No, thank oh, you. Oh, that's a, again, that's a good thing about having a uh, an Android because Clubhouse only works for Apple. So yeah, yeah, but TikTok works on Android, and they're recording all your stuff, not just on your <laughs> microphone, but it. There, you want to talk about who's going to take money out of your bank accounts? Those guys, remember? I keep yeah, on. Yeah, I don't have TikTok. No, no TikTok here either. Yeah, no, she does. She does. I'm, I'm worried about her, but you know, what do you? What can I say? So <laughs> I thought that I thought that was interesting uh, that people didn't even pay attention to that. So double check your browser extensions here. I'm a big Surface guy. I'm using a Surface Book Three actually, and I actually have my original Surface Book that I still roll around with too. Uh, but it looks like. In addition to Intel, um, Microsoft's going to be offering AMD. I don't know if I was ever a big fan of AMD CPUs. No, no, thank you. No bueno. Okay. I mean, here's the thing, and maybe it's changed. Like anything else, I, I would hate to say, uh, you know, no way on th things that I haven't done in a while. Obviously, I'm not doing any hardware nowadays. But back in the day when we were buying these things, it was all AMD looked like it was crushing Intel until you put a load on it. So every time you read one of these, one of these uh, tests, right, that they ran on the Intel and AMD Bench, benchmark AMD, test, yeah, yeah, the yeah. benchmark test, they were way up here, and then you come to find out that's with no load, and then you go and load back in the day when it was semantic, put semantic on both and see where AMD is. It's like mm, just kill. My so, hope is that things are better now, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that maybe they are, but to this day, I would still prefer an Intel over an AMD chipset. Yeah, i7, my man. i7 for sure. Or i5 if i7 is too expensive. Uh, okay, <laughs> right on. Let me let me kill some of these and kill Okay. All right. Now we're going to get into, I guess, some beefier topics. Less topics, but longer conversation today, uh, unlike last week, which was like two minutes per topic. Um, There's just a lot of news happening. Uh, <laughs> do you agree with this headline? MSPs that did not move on-prem exchange service to the cloud blew it. Yeah, I think that's uh, sensationalism at its best. Um, that's people who either were only looking for the headline or didn't don't, don't really know what MSPs go through. I mean, I'm look at the MSPs that kept the on-prem because they love it. Sure, but most MSPs work their hardest to get their customers to switch over to the cloud and tried to push in that direction. But yeah, not always that simple with certain customers that you have, right? Or maybe they're running tools that they required them to stay a little bit longer. I wouldn't say blew it. I would say moving forward, the urgency should be there. And we've talked about- Well, we, we, kind, of, we kind of touched on this last week when this whole right. year day thing kind of hit. Um, I'm surprised. I personally am surprised by the number of on-prem exchange servers still out there. Yep. I really am. Especially when- you know, the sub 100 orcs, I, I just don't, I don't compute. I don't understand the math. I don't understand the aggravation. Like, why do you have to keep just, you know, duct taping and keep running these things? Like, we talked about small business server. I know it's long gone, although some people still have it out there. And, you know, obviously exchange on-prem, I guess, for certain organizations, they think they can do it, you know, or there's requirements where they're, they're really concerned about having on their own. But, like, for the, for the average sub 100 user, entity whether it's profit nonprofit, sports whatever what is at this point why why do we have the box in the closet i don't get it 
Yeah, I can't answer that question either because I'm, I'm with you on that, right? We've talked about this so many times. I mean, we know that people want to hug their servers and keep them close. And, you know, there's that mentality, right? Hey, I have control of it. It's here. But, 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 okay, really? Let me, let me qualify that. Let me qualify. A lot of the times there is an inherent cost break scenario. Here's what I mean, right? Like if you made an investment in a prem-based application and your vendor comes to you and says, hey, we want you to move to our cloud. We're going to give you no credit for what you've already spent, but we're going to switch you to the cloud. And when you look at your annualized costs, it's like 3X of you just keep on doing what you're doing. Obviously, there's other benefits there, but at the end of the day, like the upfront math breaks, right? right. It's not the case with exchange. At $4, which is the lowest possible pricing skew you can spend, how do you lose? How do you lose on the on the on the uh, on the uh, the cloud skew versus the on-prem box? I don't I don't see it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'm just being devil's advocate and throwing out why because. But listen, we we know of we were on a call last week with some very mature MSPs who said they either couldn't be on the call or they were leaving the call early because they were dealing with some of this. Right? I mean, I'm not going to throw names out there, but we had one of our more mature MSPs that works in security and does this, who said, yeah, I'm dealing with this issue today. But like, like for me, if I'm an MSP and I'm walking into a prospect and they tell me, look at my stuff, give me a price. The first thing I'm going to say is that's got to go. Like I'm not doing it. Or if you well, want to do it. All right. So know. George, I agree with that, but I'm also going to say maybe there were some people who just got transitioned over in the last year and they just made that investment, brand new box, you know, because the previous person was not that great. So maybe some of these MSPs are just dealing with stuff that they okay. know. All right. Right. But maybe that's the plan the, was. That's the exception. Right. That's the exception. Right. And quite frankly, I would still argue I'll turn around and try and repurpose that or sell that sucker. Oh, I get it. Right. <laughs> Not everybody's going to have the same on that. I yeah. agree, though, if you're an MSP or calling yourself in George's quotation marks, an MSP, and you haven't at least had the discussion and put a plan in place for that equipment to go bye-bye, then that then that thing is right. You blew it. That's, that part I'll agree with. But I won't say that everybody blew it who had on-prem exchange service because I do believe there are varying reasons for why they are where they are. Right. And maybe the more mature MSPs have thousands of those and they're working through getting them changed up, but they can't do them all in one swing. Right. Sure. I get it. I mean, at the end of the day, like, and again, back to last episode, right. Small business server, Microsoft B pause, right. That kind of was, God, now you're really, hold on. Which then, when then there was office 365 that came behind B pods. Right. I mean, we're talking 2010, 2011, 2012, we're, we're 10 years down the road, you know? I, I agree, right? And I think people follow that. If it ain't broke, don't try to fix it mentality a little too far. <laughs> Except the world has gotten scarier in cyber land. And when the CEO of Microsoft, now granted, could be self-serving here. I'll, give, I'll, I'll right. say that. Comes out and says, hey, if you're doing it on premise, it's on you. Don't call us. But right. it's a zero day exploit. It comes from you. Like, it's a little bit of a, I'm, I'm self-serving here on that messaging. CEO. Yeah, a little bit, but they're also, it's not like they haven't been pushing cloud for the last however many years either. They've been pushing in this direction. I mean, they've been, even their incentives are all wrapped around going with not only cloud, but they're moving more from a way, you know, more incentivizing for the M365 than they are for the O365 because they're not only doing cloud, but they're pushing the security piece, right? So they're really trying to drive things in that direction 
if you're not listening or you're not paying attention, that's where the blue it. Okay. So, all right. But <laughs> backed up, let's back up a second. Like I understand Microsoft's trying to go everything subscription-based like every other software company on the planet for obvious reasons. But like, do you see themselves? Like, I understand if you're in a high enough tier of 365 and you, and you know, you get the enterprise version of Windows, whatever, but like, I'm not seeing the actual op down to the operating system. Can they reasonably like they're going the other way? I just saw that they're putting out finally a new version of off the shelf office, Microsoft office without the subscription. Like, you know, like it just seems weird how that, I don't know if it's a retail thing. I don't like, I don't know. Like everything yeah. at the service yeah. obviously doesn't work. Like I'm not going to go get a chair as a service. I'm just going to buy the chair. Well, uh, we've talked about a few varying as a service things working, my friend. So let's, let's, uh, we'll stay off of that subject, but we have done the whole as a service thing and joked about certain things as a service. But I want one other thing I want to throw out there as you were talking through this, I was trying to think of, okay, what good and bad things happened when, when I used to run exchange servers and so many bad. Somebody just managed well, bad, like so much. I mean, but but your, sent, your sentence right there today, right? Like right. Uh, March 9, 2021 is, well, if Microsoft 365 is down, which they've had problems. It happens, sure. right? Then my mail server is still running. Like that's like one of the few. Yeah, goods. sure. But if you're, if you're an MSP and you have 30 clients and they're all, or 80% of them are on, in the cloud and if that goes down they're more understanding because they know everybody is down right it does make that that does make sense when they say well we know this is a whole thing and by the way it doesn't happen as often as your exchange server going down and having those problems so um i was thinking about the good and the bad but one thing i remember was the getting compliant with like pci pci used to rip the exchange server apart like they would come back to you and say hey it's not compliant. You got to figure it out, and then you have to run some tests on the, uh, on, you know, the Microsoft. Uh, I forget what it was called, like a bench test, micro exchange. Yeah, it was like best practice analyzer. Best practices, right? Exactly, and you'd have to run that, and it would tell you which things to fix. You had to go in and apply these patches and whatever hot fixes and things like that, and then go back and take the PCI thing over again. That's not happening with with when you move it to the cloud. You know, it's mm -hmm. done. Um, so there's a lot of little things that I remember chasing. And again, I'm talking about, you know, longer than five years ago. Sure. Uh, so, and when you think about it that way, and then you're saying, like you said, well, then why are we still dealing with it? It just seems like it, it you know, <laughs> so like, I don't, you know, does the article's headline sensational? Okay. They blew it. MSPs didn't move their customers to cloud already on the email, blew it. Financially, it makes sense that the headline ties into that because I don't see how the math right. breaks the model. Uh, I understand one size doesn't fit all, but the majority of people should be there. I just found it really mind boggling when so many people were like, yeah, sorry, I'm still patching exchange servers. And I'm like, how do you have that many out there? Like one, two, three, but like single digit percentage here. I mean, right. Yeah. And apparently that's not the case. I mean, I'm sure as more, as more security breaches happen and things like this, the, of this nature, we're going to find some things out there that we weren't, we, we, we normally believe would still be floating around out there. I just, uh, I have, I mean, you, we've all heard the stories where, you know, an MSP says, you won't believe it. I walked into a, a shop today and they had Windows XP on this machine in the warehouse that was running, you know, all this stuff and it was still connected to the internet. <laughs> well, well, I mean, some degree, the, like, uh, open but, door in the uh, vault, right? 
I mean, listen, there's still, there's old school stuff, right? Like, um, you know, like I ran into uh, a guy who said, yeah, you know, we're supporting a company. They have their own gas pump instead of like sending their employees to the, you know, like whether it's the bus, you know, the school buses or the municipality, right. like basically they're paying less gas per gallon because they're not required to pay all those taxes, you know, at the pump, right. At the, the local down the street gas station, right. but like the gas station terminal is running on XP. And I'm like, okay, well, but it's going to cost $15,000 for them to change what they need to change. So get off of XP. And it's like, okay, I understand the math problem, but it's, you're wide open if this thing's connected to the internet and it is right. So like, I don't know, it's catch 22. You can't, you can't run things forever. Right. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, Brent. Brent, of course, nothing is fixed. The problem has just shifted. Example, purchase a Windows 10 home to pro upgrade from PAX 8 and try and get support from PAX 8 states. We don't support this product that we sell. Okay. Well, that hits home a little bit because we have get on the on the call. I mean, listen, I, I understand that, um, you know, like Microsoft. Well, hold on a second, Brent. Call me on that one if that's a real problem because I, uh, I that was an interesting, interesting post. I, I would love to check it out and see it. Here you go. Darren says I'd still run XP if I could. <laughs> I hear you, man. I do. I got you. Um, yeah, listen, the mesh between the standalone, buy the license, install it yourself versus the cloud, right? I mean, <clears throat> you know, like I understand Microsoft's strategy of trying to make it so that you don't have to go to three different places to buy their stuff, right? Like if you got to go to a retail store or through or to Microsoft directly to buy one way, you got to go to one type of distributor to buy it another way, and then you got to go to another type of distributor, like at some point. Why, why is it so complicated to click buy, right? I, I So from that angle, I can understand merging the buying experience, right? Because Amazon set the, the, the bar, it's high. Single, right. the, the easier it is to buy, the easier it is for you to, 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 to get where you need to go, right? Uh, it helps them, it helps you. But as far as support's concerned, like what's your support avenue for an on-premise product, right? You have to, you have action pack, you have silver, you have gold, you have whatever, or you got to open up a ticket. Sometimes you got to pay for it if you don't have a status. And then you're sitting in queue, right? For Microsoft from right. wherever country they're answering the call from, right? I mean, that's, that's the avenue, right? I'm not happy with that avenue, by the way. I think it could be much better, but who, you know, Microsoft's not listening to me. A better chance of listening to Ken. Yeah. And well, and that's an area when it's in the cloud, you don't have that whole flow because you know they're working on it because it's affecting everybody. Sure. Which comes back to side topic that I wasn't planning on talking about, but you almost need to have a notification system that isn't email based. Like SaaS companies, software companies have status pages, right? Does the MSP have a status page now? Does the MSP have, so. some, have some sort of messaging system where people can get text messages or subscribe to an RSS feed or get a push notification? Or it almost seems like that's a must if you can't communicate to them because their email system's down and that's how they get notified of outages, right? Am I wrong here? Right, right. Unless you're calling. I mean, listen, calling is good too, but how many people- It's not going to blanket the approach. It's going to take longer to call, if you, especially based on the number of clients you have. Sure, sure. So I don't know, something to think about. I feel like, you know, you can get a status page where people can subscribe and multiple threads and get it into their teams and Slack and all that for like, I don't know, 50 to 75 bucks a month. I mean, it's 
not super expensive, right? But it may serve the purpose when you can't get the, the email out, right? Right, right. No, I think that's a that's a great idea. But you know, we have there are some complaints when something goes for free and costs four bucks. So you know, the thought process around paying that. Well, but and and just to wrap up, like final thoughts on this particular topic. All right, so you have the on-premise exchange server. You don't want to get rid of it, right? You have the box, you have the software, you have the maintenance and time. Then you have the backup, right? You got to back up that system. By the time you wrap it all together between what you charge your customer to support it, you know, what it takes for you to put the time investment in, what it takes to keep, you know, the hardware refresh every so often, and then what it takes to back it up. Then you go over to the other side and you're like, all right, it's four bucks, but then you should still back it up. So that's maybe another buck or two, six right. bucks. And, right. then, and then you need email security on both sides, right? But that's yep. another couple bucks. And then by the time you're done, four bucks turns into 10 bucks. Am I wrong? No, no, you're right. But it's a hell of a lot cheaper than, you know, having to buy a full-on DRBC box to keep things up and running in your office. Okay. All right. You know, you're right. No, I mean, SaaS backup is clearly much less expensive and, you know, does everything that you needed to do from a standpoint of backing up all your email products and all the things that are in each of those. Cause we all know Microsoft doesn't back it up. They've put out. Well, just they give, they give you that. 30, they give you a 30 day recycling bin, right? Yeah. Good luck with that. I, I still say, you know, if you're living off of that, you got to make some changes. You need to be, you know, you need to have a good SAS backup in place to back up all these products because Microsoft is not backing them up. That's the clear straight line. Okay. And then, they're not they're you know they're putting that on the msps oh boy i can't help but go to this article i couldn't it, it just was too entertaining and just i have to go here okay so <laughs> our, our, our favorite buddy fred who's probably as entertaining as you can get from a guy running a company with a lot of zeros <laughs> in the bank account um had a had a pretty long interview here with our friends over at crn and a couple of things I pulled out of here, so bear with me. So they're saying, I'm sorry, Fred's saying, <laughs> that there's a 66% chance that they're going to be a public company this year. 75%. And a, and a 75% chance that it's going to happen before the end of Q1. So they're shopping the company right now, yeah? They're, 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 sh they're, they're shopping, right? Of course, you can't help but notice that, you know, this is the thing right underneath event. We've talked about this, but, um, <laughs> you know, they're shopping this company, right? They're in the middle of going and putting up the for sale sign or the invest in me sign. We're going public now. Yeah. And, uh, and that could be a good thing. Could be a bad thing. Well, well, it's, 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 it's interesting though, when you, when you read why, right? So this is like one, I didn't pick, I'm not going to every page of this interview, but this one like feeds right into that. Why, why all of a sudden the public move, right? What's the push? And the response is, well, there's financing out there available to everybody that's not going public, right? Like back in the day, VCs and PEs and all these funding sources kind of weren't accessible. You had the traditional bank and then you had, you know, the investment bank was kind of still hard to get to unless you were a certain size. He's saying here, hey, those resources are plentiful. You can go out there and get the money if you want it. The reason we're going public is to compensate the people who originally invested so that they can get some money out of it, including the employees, right? There needs to be some sort of liquidity event in order for those people to, to get compensated on 
the early the early you know kind of buy-in status now right and what actually then went for further is that they're only putting somewhere between 10 to 20 percent of the company as far as shares available mm. so when you think about it <laughs> going public is like a, could be only really small portion of the of the math right 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 but we never i never thought about that until he's like yeah yeah 10 15 20 percent oh google does the same thing okay news to me i mean it turns out that the vcs that drop all these monies in these funding rounds a b c d e f whatever it is they're still holding a large control of these companies even after they go public yeah this is true and i i guess the well don't want to go too deep into that trying to not say the wrong thing but uh i'm I'm not i'm just saying this is we're learning right we're 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 not at that level right and it's just interesting that regardless of the company it's really only a small they're not it's not like they're putting half the company up for 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 stock options right it's really only a small percentage Right. No, I agree. I mean, I definitely, we've definitely seen that where we thought people might've done quite well <laughs> and didn't necessarily do as well as we thought they would because, uh, because of that, because of the breakdown in percentages. So I thought it was interesting because it seems like this is now the very popular thing to do for the big guys, right? The big four in the industry are already there, right? They're the last to get there. Right, Connectwise isn't there yet, but they're they're talking about it. I guess Data already did Solar Winds or Enable, whatever name. Yeah, right. It. Okay, and now and now Kaseya. So really, it's the the you know the last man in is going to be the you know the Connectwise umbrella, which I, I can't. I you know I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm just simply reporting, showing what's been reported. Right here we go. He, he has to go and say, well, I think <laughs> ConnectWise is having struggles. Uh, and then he goes into them and he goes into Datto and he goes into everyone else if everybody wants to read this. But basically, the moral of the story is um, the people running the company, the people running the company make a big difference, right? He talked about the early days of Kaseya. He talked about, you know, Arnie Bellini being a big man in the room and heart used to fill. He talked about you know, Austin McCord, you know, no longer a data. We talked about Michael George no longer in the picture after the continuum sale. Right. How, mu- how much at the top level do the people sitting in those chairs make the difference? Uh, I mean, it depends on where they are on the maturity level of the, when, when it all happened. I mean, I think it's funny if you really read into that, what he's saying is he would like to stay when they get bought out. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's a straight up play. This person's smart and they're gone. This person's smart and they're gone. Okay, we get it. What you're saying is you want to stay when they come in and take over. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think that data would have got to where they got without Austin being in charge and, and just not really being that, you know, he didn't come from a CEO or business background per se, right? He was an engineer who had a dream. And um, I think as much as people maybe rib for the CEO part, portion of it missing is the same reason why they were so successful because he wasn't kind of 
you know, coming at it from that CEO um, standpoint. And I do, and I think it also depends on how open they are to help. And I think Austin in this case was very open to taking help and getting advice and running with that advice. And then, you know, they brought Rob Ray on and Rob Ray was a big boost to Datto's uh, ecosystem and community. And so, yeah, from that standpoint, I would say, you know, it did make a difference. The person that was making those decisions and open to change, um, I don't know. I can't honestly say for a lot of these other ones, you know, what that difference was because I wasn't dealing directly with those companies. But um, I'm sure in some cases, you know, if that person is, um, you know, very connected to the employees and was very connected to the heart of what the company does and is, it can definitely have an effect if they're no longer there anymore. People don't feel that connection with a PE company that they did with, you know, those those people if they had that type of connection. Not saying that all these guys have that connection with their employees. I know a few of them that definitely don't, but um, it could definitely have an effect. I just don't know where on some of these, not definitely directly connected enough to know, you know, where the family of some of these companies uh, were like, oh my God, I can't live without, you know, that CEO. Sure. So, so then this. If it happened at Pax 8, it would have some kind of effect um, because our, you know, our leader, John Street, is that type of person. His vision is what we all sell. It's like I said it this morning in a, in a session. It's like Disney World, right? Walt Disney had this dream and this vision. And look, however many years later, he's passed away and 50,000 employees buy into that same mentality that's where you see it making a, a big difference. Sure, things can still run because people have bought into it and gotten to a certain point, but you know, it, it would be, at Pax 8, it would be a big deal to lose someone like a John Street because his vision is what drives our company from the top down. No, I get it. I get it. So, so directly to our last conversation, right, when we were talking about companies swooping in, buying other companies, all this jazz, is, um, you know, like, and really down here is where I was paying attention, right? Um, typical customer of Kasey adopts another module of IT complete. This is the name of their stack now. Of all yeah. their, every month to three months, right? So their idea from their side of the aisle is keep acquiring companies, keep stacking, keep creating bundleized pricing so that the more that you buy, hopefully the better the price you get. Oh, hopefully, I don't know that to be the case, but that's my guess. And then he's saying, listen to this. We don't recommend people switch everything right away. Too risky. But they see the value of integration. Um, and then he gets into some of the math, right? Yeah. So, says that they charge 30% less, which. Don't is that true? Is that uh, as the bundle? Individual? Yeah. How do you compare them? Um, that's the thing. What do they, what, what do they have? How do they compare? Yeah. It's, that's an interesting number. So like he's saying a lot of their, when they're looking at the full stack, right? We talked a couple of weeks ago about the MSP's view. We had Cole on, Cole Halpin right. on. And he said, I'm almost looking to make my vendors as disparate as possible so that they're not all tied together. But then on the other side, it's a complete 180 view. And you see the, the kind of the furthering of that understanding, which is we want you to adopt more and more and more. And the more that you adopt, and we understand it won't happen at once, but the more that you buy and buy and buy, the better we'll give you pricing terms rather than individual products. Right. I get supply demand. It's a simple business you know, conversation, but um, there's a constant fear, right? That too many eggs in one basket end up coming back to hurt you. So 
like there's a there's a complete break, right? There's like a schizophrenic break between what the MSP's feeling is and what the company that they're buying from or trying to sell to the MSP is thinking, right? Sure. Yep. So I mean, do you so 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 let's let's zoom out for a second and talk about that. Um you're in a very unique position. I'm not trying to target you, but it's I'm just gonna put it out there so that we say that we check the box to talk about it. You're aggregating a bunch of different vendors under one umbrella, right? Technically, even though they're paying you the distributor, it's they're really they're really the customer of the vendor, right? Whether right. it's this backup product, this security product, this whatever. Okay. In the case of I'm now acquiring these companies, I'm not selling somebody else's product. I've now acquired that. That's my stuff. And I'm trying to get you to shift over to my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. In your case, you have multiple options to choose from. In their case, they're like, here's our option, but we want you to shift all these line items over, right? Right. I mean, I can understand from the view of the MSP that the guy that they're writing the check to at the end of the day is still, you got to make sure the company's healthy and there's a relationship and there's communication and there's a good vibe happening. Right. Right. But it's a little bit different when you're schlepping your own stuff versus you're, you're, you're bundling other products that you you're not control. You're not responsible for the development and upkeep and security and all the other stuff. I mean, do you think that's the, that's really the majority of the view or does a certain size of MSP say, I want the best deal. I don't, the customer doesn't care what products underneath the hood. They just want it to work. They know that their stuff needs to be backed up. They don't care. They just, you know, it's on me to just decide what product I'm using. Right. How do you, yeah. how do you, how do you feel, you know, where do you fit in your personal view? I don't know. You're not necessarily talking for yeah, John Street, yeah, yeah. but for your personal view, where do you fit into this spectrum? Yeah. I mean, you're right. There's a lot of different views and you know, you and I have had this conversation before and I even say this to people, if you're, if you're looking at Pax8 and margin is your only concern, we're not the we're not the right company. If that's the only thing that you want is price, 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 and you you don't care what you get with it, that's just not what Pax8 does. Um, you know, going to something like Pax8, you're going there for the value, for the for the resources. Um, you know, we do a ton of free education. We do some paid stuff too, but we're not making none of it's profit. It's all for taking our team, paying our team to do certain things, right? We have pro services team that does migrations for folks. We do Azure lift and shifts. We do email migrations, right? These are all things that I even think about. You and I have talked about this, going back and being an MSP and just saying, I'm going to use the pro services to do all my work, collect that mailbox money and, and sit back and relax. Those are the things that are completely that you don't see, right? Because, you know, as MSPs, we're always trying to find the best deal. And we think that that's the, you know, that's what's going to save us. But saving a few pennies or even a few dollars in one spot and not realizing that you're losing it on efficiencies and things that you have to chase, that's a big difference. And again, not a plug for PAX 8, just knowing I've been on both sides of this fence. And from a PAX 8 perspective, it's all about the resources. We're not, you know, PAX 8's not making a killing off of these vendors. It's all about blowing it up and offering it to, you know, higher numbers, right? Getting the numbers and taking care of those numbers. You know, 85% of trouble tickets that go through PAX 8 get handled by PAX 8, not by the vendor. That's a pretty strong number. That doesn't happen. I don't, I don't see that happening anywhere else. And that's because we do take pride. We train our folks up on the products. We try to learn it as best we can. Sure, there's certain things that happen through Microsoft that 
we can't necessarily support because it's not our product and we're, we can only do get, go to a certain level, but we also do have a hell of a lot more uh, bargaining power than just a you know, single MSP does, like George said earlier. So, I mean, those are the main differences between it. At the end of the day, you have to feel comfortable with where you're buying it from. I get that, you know, now some of these PSA companies or our PSA RMM companies are becoming, you know, trying to evolve into the marketplace that Pax 8's already creating that cloud marketplace. And that's really where it's going to go to, right? There's not even going to be talk of distribution anymore. It's going to be talking about marketplaces and where well, you- but, but, start, but, but, right? but hold on. To your point, there are some vendors who are trying to do that and already have been doing some version of that, whether it's automated or not. But then in Kaseya, right. they're just like, eh, let's just keep on buying companies, keep on plugging the gaps so that we have as much of the stack as possible so that we have it all. Our friend Brent comes in again. He's like, ease of doing business is much more than product cost. When a vendor is difficult to deal with for whatever reason, frustration is not worth the perceived savings. 100%. 100%, Brent. But back to the on-prem exchange boxes. I can't tell you how many times I've heard the MSP say, yeah, let me go buy some servers, put it in a rack, get, get the software, start hosting the backup DR at my rented rack in wherever. But then all the time, all the liability, all the extra effort that come into that. And, right. you know, like, is it worth it? Right. Like, I guess scale is one part of the conversation. Like how much effort do you have to put in to get past your, you know, to get to these upper levels? One, two. Right. How much time's involved in that? That's part of the scale conversation. Three. Are you really worried about trying to squeeze every ounce of blood out of the stone because you're not growing or is your goal to go wide? You know, right. like add more customers in order to grow that way. And yeah, well, like, I mean, to get back to get back to the marketplace just a little bit. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of differences here. I mean, if you're going to go and you made this point, if you're going to go someplace and, you know, they're your PSA and but you have to use the tools that they have purchased or bought. Right. How is that going to work better with Pax8 is true, truly the the. Uh, Oh Lord, long day today. Work it is the works. It is that space, right? The marketplace, because you could be using one AV provider and then say, "Hey, this isn't working out for me." Come back to Pax Eight, and we could say, "Okay, well, here's some other options." Right. right? You don't have. It's not just one one product. Right. You have true product. options. We're being agnostic and saying, "Okay, we know your business and what you've been doing. Here's another. Here's something else that you can try." And I think that's the big separation between what some of the. I mean, they're not trying. They were never trying to create that marketplace they just know if they buy up enough stuff that they'll you know they all have to use it with that as opposed to having multiple options like an actual marketplace has like amazon if you, you don't have to use just one thing when you buy it on amazon you can go to a bunch of different places then do your pricing or your value and check out all the reviews and all of that stuff so i think that's more where pax8 is heading with what what's going on in the, in, in the environment today and I believe that we have definitely a leg up on some of this other stuff. I don't think you could ever change that in, the, in this other place because wow. whatever they own is on the line card. So, so looking at Brent, coming back to Brent, I love this comment. I would rather dodge <laughs> cars on the freeway during rush hour. He was very clear about this scenario. Uh, dodging cars on the freeway during rush hour, uh, then run another mail server again. I agree with you, Brent. I, I don't argue that at all, but the same goes for, the backup, you know, the backup or the data center, you know, play the backup play. The um, I was 
I, I, I had a question about another guy who was like, well, I'm going to, you know, like why go out and buy all the Unify stuff, right? Because it's cheap, but then have to, you know, manage all your own firmware, do your own, host your own controller, go some, like it, it all comes back to <laughs> how much does it cost, total cost of ownership end to end to me, right? And I, I just don't, I would rather plug it in once and unless it burns out, I don't have to worry about the management, the firmware, the updates, updating the backend controller at each place. Like at what point are we just doing stuff because we're cheap on the front end and pay on the back end? Right. 100%. And you have redundancy built in and that redundancy plugs into a backplane and the backplane fails. Uh, listen, I get it. There's no one way. Everybody ha has decided their right. way, but like then, you know, then the question is when do you update your view, right? How do you keep up with, the, the melding and the molding and the shift in the market to decide when to make a adjustment. And then like, usually the work to put all this stuff happens up front. How often are you going back and, and, and adjusting right. it? Right. Like, I don't know. I just feel like if the average MSP accounts three years, that's the magic number, right? They say after that, it's gravy, right? Then how, once you put it in and it's running, even if you're doing it the hard way, how often are you going to go back within that three-year period and make an adjustment? I argue you're not. No, unless it's on-prem. Well, unless it's on-prem. Yeah. Or unless you're right. making an entire shift, right? You've decided, hey, you know, I don't want Sentinel-1. I want uh, Silence, whatever, right? You're just switching right. a vendor in that particular line item. So I don't yeah. know. I, I know. I know we've been in a, all over the place on this topic, <laughs> but I, I just feel like you know, you said, and I'm just using you, what you said, you know, earlier just now, hey, our goal is to try and buy in volume, help everybody as we're going up so that everybody benefits, right? Is that the view of the MSP from a sales perspective? If it is, you want to worry about less moving parts and you want to scale, you want to add more customers. If the answer is you're not adding a lot of new customers, then maybe you do have to look back and say, how do I monetize every blinking light that I can so that I can get right. the most out of each customer. I guess that's really the, the alpha and the, yeah, the beginning and the end of it. Right. Yeah. And I hate to say it like this, but I mean, listen, there are companies that don't need to, they have a size, they like it and they don't need to blow up or grow or do that. And that's okay. But separate from those types of companies, if you're not growing, you're dying. That's just the way I feel like it's, you have to keep growing. Whatever, and whatever that means, it doesn't always mean dollar. It doesn't always mean people. It's just, in some way, shape, or form, you should be growing your business to get to a certain point. There should be a plan. And that's where that falls out, too, is if there's no plan, then you don't have a clue. Are you growing? What are you growing to? What's your goal? Well, you know, that, that, that comes not, into a whole other conversation. Not to go back and reference, I, I always called him Dr. Doom. That was just my nickname, but Paul Dibble. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because every time you thought you did what he asked for, he just changed his mind, and there's a whole other set of things. But anyway, I guess that was the maturity scale. Um, <laughs> It's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a freshman all over again. Um, he's like, listen, if you run your business, like you're going to sell it, you may decide to never sell it, but you're going to really like what the bottom line numbers look like in the end. Right. I mean, if every year you're running lean and you're trying to make sure that you're doing maximum profit dollars at the end, you're going to be happy with the outcome on your, you know, your tax return. Right. Well, minus the taxes, but maybe profit and loss sheet is probably what I'll say. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe I'm going crazy today. All right. Let's, let's 
shift direction. Welcome to the three hour version of the MSP initiative. We just getting started, folks. I mean, we I mean, listen, we've always kept it to an hour, but we can always we're going to make it a whole not drive time sports radio show, man. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, we start talking Philly sports. It's all over. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll save you from that because there's not a lot of good things happening in Philly sports right now. I had to, I had to listen to it with you on the, the ride home. So, well, but, but I mean, think what's happened already. Carson Wentz, is, Carson Wentz is gone. I guess the Sixers are doing good, but yeah, like that, that's for another conversation um okay moving on so at what point does the marketing conversation come up when it comes to technology right i'm not trying to get political but let's throw this out there facebook privacy google privacy okay facebook has like whatsapp instagram all these things tied to it right like at what point because everyone has to interact with these platforms, are you segregating your traffic so that you're just dealing with the pieces that you're dealing with? Unfortunately, when you install the app on your phone and you accept the 200 page terms of service that nobody reads, Ken, have you read that? I don't know if I've actually read that. Have word you, for word, George, word yeah. for word. Yeah, when you activated that Android, I know you read every freaking line. Yeah, right. Um, like once you install the app, you accept, they got it all right. Cause you, you know, right. opted in. Um, do you, do you see MSPs consulting with their businesses saying, Hey, you know, we're, we're watching this traffic for you. We want to consult, you know, to make sure that your data and your customer data, right. Cause that you're holding behind your stuff is not actually, you know, back to the beginning of the webinar, which is, Hey, these Chrome apps are monitoring your bank account. When you sign into right. it, you look at your balance. It's kind of scary news, right? So, now, you know, we are we already said for a long time there is no data privacy law like there is over in Europe, although states are trying to put them in place. Uh, it's going to be impossible to navigate, it'll be in minefield, but there's got to be a national one, and that's a scary thought. But, yeah, what do you tell the, the, the customer of the MSP? What does the MSP tell their customer about this topic right now? Because at this point, it's it's all in the news, just like the hacks, right? Just like all the data breaches, just like SolarWinds and all the other Sonic Walls, Iriday, all these guys that have popped up, even just this year. This conversation doesn't seem to leave the you know the, the headlines. So, what what is your advice to the MSP when this topic comes up? Well, I mean, this talk, this conversation should be being had on a regular basis, anyways. It should have been in your you know, we talk about this, your stack should encompass every one of these, I, you know, we, we talked about this before, right? You should have DNS filtering, you should have uh, MFA tools, you should have password management. Um, and I don't care which way, which way you go with it. These are all tools that should be built right into your stack. And if you have to go a little bit farther, you should be talking about SOC and SIM solutions um, and rolled into that stack. So then you're not talking about this. You don't have to have the conversation again other than as new things pop up and this should be built into your contract. We've had this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but Ken, let me, hold, I'm gonna, but, let me hold you. Let me hold you right ahead. there. Right. So if you MFA your desktop, you MFA your outlook, you MFA your file sync and share your MFA, all this stuff, but then Facebook's just usurping data. You're not MF, who's MFAing Facebook. Are you MFAing Facebook? I don't know. I don't see it. I'm walking all day long and Facebook just opens up. <laughs> on every computer if you try and go to somebody's computer you type in facebook guarantee you they're signed in nine out of ten times 
Yeah, no, you're true. And the, but that's also part of the education piece that I was talking about that's rolled into the stack. That comes with your education. Um, honestly, most, most, if you're talking about being secure and you have to be secure, I don't think Facebook should be allowed on a business computer. If someone's, if you're in a spot where it has to be protected, you're right. There's, there's no way to make it so that when they're, you think they're on there just doing good things all the time. Plus it's open. Facebook has their control, right? Like you said, you signed, you signed the agreement. So Facebook is, Facebook is one of those things that, you know, unless your business relies on it, then you have that a whole other problem. It's still that it's still education, right? It's talking about when, where, and how to use these things. And if at all, if you well, the, line, the line is blurred, you have all these people working remotely. They're at home. They're checking their stuff. They're on their work computer there. It's not MFA. We know this, Just, right? There's no, there's no concept, right? You put your cell phone number in, trust me, that's not happening. So, so at what point is that filtering? Is that, you know, like, do you have to go all the way back to, Hey, the terms of po the, the acceptable policy for the company and then start implementing, like, there's got to be a business conversation before a technology one, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's still getting figured out. I mean, the work from home thing is such a vast change that we didn't even think about. Just from security alone, even the larger companies had a hard time implementing it, right? Because they had to rush to get these people connected. And now they're saying, oh, we got to go back. <laughs> we didn't follow even our own guidelines to put these people at home. Now we have to go back and reevaluate what we did because we did it so fast. And, you know, part of that evaluation is going to be, are they using their home computers for, for work or are we giving them our equipment and our equipment is going to be limited to the things we want it to be, you know, to be worked on. Um, and I mean, we know that's not the easiest thing, but if you're talking about certain security levels, you're exactly right. There is no, it's a, it's a fine line between having Facebook open up on your work computer. I just think there's a due diligence part because here's how I put yeah. it all together. Ready? Um, you tell your customer you're doing everything reasonably possible to protect whatever data you have on them. Sure okay. Sure. And then this back door is occurring because they're all doing it right. They're buying, they're, they're creating, they're collecting data on you to then sell to somebody else. And then they, that entity has a breach. Then didn't by proxy, you also have a problem too, right? They collected data on you, you and with your data, that data could include customer data. Now they got breached. <laughs> now it creates a much bigger storm now. Yeah, exactly. Trying to figure out what, I'm trying to help Darren out here, but he said he just posted something, but I, I don't know, he posted my email. Oh, that was me. He didn't answer me back. All right. Oh, no. That, that, my Darren, address, Darren, but he Darren's can see my email address, right? You can see it on there? Yeah, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Darren's hanging out, man. He's he's driving the RV up and down the his little van. He you know he, he actually got a pretty cool vehicle and he's took a page out of our book and started to start visiting places, <laughs> which is great. All right, last topic of the day, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll drive it to the end of the show. Uh, <laughs> how do you live in a scenario where you and another MSP are both servicing the same end customer? Think about that scenario. As an MSP? Yeah. Okay. How, oh, yeah. Well, all right. I know where you're going with this. But mm -hmm. I mean, in, in our world of MSPs that we know, 
it would probably be very simple because you lay, you know, you have your prerequisites for how it's going to work and what you're going to work on and what they're going to work on. But I know that we're not in that perfect world and we don't always choose the other MSPs that you're working with. So um, again, though, I still believe in upfront contracts and, you know, setting the expectations upfront in front of the customer so that when something does fall apart and it will in certain cases, you can always roll back to, ah, this is not where, you know, this is where the line is crossed. We're dealing with this. This MSP was supposed to deal with that. I mean, in most cases, you really shouldn't have a, it shouldn't be that case where if you can handle it all, you probably should. Uh, well, but there's certain scenarios, right? What yeah, happens yeah, here's if, a scenario. What ha all right, here's a scenario. You have one MSP and in that MSP agreement, certain parts have terms outside of the, the whole contract, right? Let's say I signed up for a hardware as a service or backup as a service or some, some other SaaS solution that had a separate term than the actual contract term. I decide I want to start shifting elsewhere, but I still got to ride this out because it's not economical for me to pay out sure. the whole term on these items. Now all I got like two factors in place. Well, that happens, that happens it, a lot. Ha yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I agree. I, I have seen it happen. I mean, look, in some cases, it might be worth taking the pain out and either buying those devices or finding a way to, you know, just get them out of the picture altogether. Because if they're not, first of all, in this situation that you just described, this other MSP is not going to really care that much about a whole lot. They're just collecting a check. They're not going to care if things break. They're probably not going to rush to fix things. And, you know, not in every case, but in a lot of cases, especially where something like this, they're going to be bitter that you're the new person coming in. And they're probably going to even invent ways for it to, you know, bounce back on you when something happens. So and, and it depends on the whole situation. But in, in some of these cases, I might not take the customer on at all. Um, depending upon, you know, what's happening, right? Obviously, if it's, if it's lucrative and we know that they're going to be out the door and we can sign certain things in place that state, look, we, you know, this is where we can't step in or we can and you're going to pay twice because we're, we're, we're supporting something that they should be. Um, but if it's going to be, if it's going to be hitting a brick wall every time you have to deal with the other company, um, you got to weigh that when you're talking about doing, doing business with, uh, with a company like that. Um, I know sometimes it, it can be hard, but at the well, but, I mean, but here's the sandwich deal with long term. But here's the sandwich that occurs. The reason why those terms are in place are likely not the MSP saying, "Hey, I, I got to make sure I get my money out." It's more because their upstream vendor has the, a term on them, right? Right, right. They're stuck, right? They don't want to be holding the the bag if somebody stops paying the bill on this side, right? No, I get it, but again, that's their problem in certain cases, right? For you as an MSP, you're stepping in a a minefield basically because you have no clue what that relationship was you have no clue why this guy you know this company wants to switch to you and, and has tie you know is, even though they're roped into you know a couple of devices with these other vendors um you gotta get to the root of all that too to make sure that um you're not you know you're not taking a uh, an explosive situation on just to get you know a couple thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue and hoping for the long term i guess it depends on the length of the contract um and why, why it all happened, what happened? Why are you leaving this other company, even though you're tied to these devices, what happened? Um, and I would even go so far as to call the vendors, um, you know, the other, the vendors themselves, not the MSP and just kind of get a feel for, hey, look, I'm not trying to go around anything. I'm trying to help something here. Is there something we should know about? 
Um, have, you, have you heard of an amical situation where there's a term on the back end and they're transferring the responsibility of the remainder of the term between one and the other? Yes. Yes. Um, I will tell you straight up. Um, I, I had Datto do it for, for us when I was an MSP. Um, it was tricky in a few spots, but at the same time, it was basically, look, it's either going to be lost and turn into, you know, the MSP will owe the money. So, it, it, the, you know, the end user won't care. Um, the MSP has the contract with, you know, Datto in this case. Um, I reached out to Datto. Datto, you know, has a, had a program or had a plan set up for this type of thing. They talked to the other MSP and, and worked it out. So they transferred over from that MSP to our MSP. We did white glove. We made the MSP, other MSP feel comfortable and just said, look, it's, it happens. And if it happens the other way, we, you know, we would expect you to have, you know, that you would expect how, us. How, how many vendors do you think have a plan for this? I don't think. I don't does. know that many do, but I, I got to expect that it does happen more than we think, because I, I can think of a number of other things where this had happened. Um, uh, and PAX 8 calls it change of channel uh, for, from a standpoint of when they want to change distribution, right? Of course, we have a plan for that. Um, for the vendors, when that happens between partners, I'm pretty sure there's even a form that Datto had you fill out uh, to make sure everything was on the up and up and kind of went through the process. Um, <coughs> again, this was however many years ago, uh, but I would think you see it more often than not, right? We're all in this business. People, people want to change. Um, the customer doesn't necessarily want to be locked into that. I mean, you know, look, you know, some MSPs have it built in. If you pull out early because they're going to have to pay it for the whole term, there's this fee, right? This is what it's going to cost. If they have that built in and the customer's still willing to pay to get away from them, they get paid. Everything gets shifted over. They're not even getting, you know, now they're not even getting billed for the extra time on the device because now it's being moved over to your MSP. Um, but I would, I mean, if it were me, the first thing I would do is go, would be go to the vendor and say, hey, look, I have, you know, you're one of my vendors. We'd love to move this over or else we're just not going to be able to take it on. And it could be that these guys just pull out and cause a whole bunch of disarray, right? Um, from that it standpoint. It doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be like that, but I hear right. what you're saying. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It, so could, just, it could just be, it could, you know, listen, I mean, I, I get there's a competitive balance, but. Right. It doesn't always have to be, you know, MSP no. on MSP crime. I, no, that's crime. what I'm saying. Like in, in our world, right? The MSPs that we de deal with, you know, the ones that I was friendly with back in the day, I could call them up and say, hey, man, this is crazy. What's going on? And then they would be honest with me and say, listen, I'm going to switch them over. You don't know what you're up against. And I might not even take them on because I now learned that there's, but usually it was friendly going back and forth. Uh, they would just say, yeah, you know, one of my guys blew it. And they're not willing to give us a second chance. And I'd rather see it go to you than somebody else. We would always be friendly with each other and just, and honest and try to make it white glove on both sides, just in case something happened. But um, only a few times, I mean, I, I have had that MSP on MSP crime where, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the exiting MSP wouldn't give us passwords to stuff. Mm. And it always got ugly and it was always a pain in the butt, right? Cause you have to try to find ways to get around that and then, have to explain to the customer, you know, I'm sorry, but your existing MSP has decided to, you know, not be helpful in this case and got try it. to things up. Well, I hope everyone uh, <laughs> got something good out of today. It was an interesting uh, path through the hour. 
Um, <laughs> again, this was recorded. It's on mspinitiative.com. You can see the list of the webinars, podcast pre-recorded. You can go back and watch those. Uh, hof- hopefully you got the messaging in the beginning of the webinar, channel strong tour, lunch and learns, prize giveaways, all available, all free to you. Please join us if you can. Uh, join us back again Thursday, 1 o'clock Eastern time. We will uh, keep the party going. All right, Mr. Soprano. Nice. Here you go, baby. Tony Soprano. <laughs> Take it easy. Bye, everyone.